Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government in 1952 and remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witness Lee carried on this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America and ultimately around the world. He served the Lord for more than 70 years before going to be with him in 1997. His major contribution was through a 21-year labor he called Life Study, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsmradio.org. Radio.org. Now, here's our show today. After many positive and wonderful miracles given to them in the wilderness following their escape from Egypt, the children of Israel found themselves in the midst of escalating turmoil. This turmoil would eventually result in serious rebellion among them, bringing in God's judgment. It was here, however, in the midst of this turmoil, that the Lord inserts chapter 15 in the divine record in the book of Numbers. This chapter reminds God's people of what they had previously learned regarding their need for the offerings and for keeping the Sabbath. But just as the lessons depicted in the stories of the Old Testament can be applied to our situation in the New Testament, so does this reminder regarding the experience of Christ typified by the offerings and the Sabbath have an application to us today. We'll look at these types in our program, and Bob Danker has joined us for this Life Study from Numbers. Bob, welcome back. It's very good to be with you again in the broadcast. I love this book of Numbers, and it's full of pictures for us concerning our Christian life and our relationship with the Lord. We can really receive tremendous help from the pictures here in the book of Numbers. The scene, Bob, at this point in the history of the children of Israel was a very dramatic one. Uh, But I think it's helpful to realize at the outset that all that was about to befall them was due to the fact that they were not concerned with God's interests, God's desire. They were still utterly consumed with their own perceived needs. This sounds a lot like the situation today among God's people, doesn't it? Yes, Chris. It was a very unfortunate situation among the children of Israel. As we see by reading the book of Numbers from chapters 11 through 14, there were three major failures among the people. Mm -hmm. And these failures exposed the real condition of the children of Israel, that they were not one with God, that they did not care for God's interests and God's desires. They were absolutely in themselves and for themselves. This, unfortunately, 
is a picture of God's people even today. Many Christians, many who have been believed in the Lord and have been regenerated still are very much in themselves and very much for themselves, not caring for God's interests and not caring for what the desire of God's heart is. So we really need the help that we are being given here in the book of Numbers, that we all would have a turn Mm. uh, as we are guided through this book. We could have a turn to be a a different kind of people. We could really be God's people. Bob, the uh, context here of this chapter is all important. I think before we're through today, we'll realize this is critically important. We have seen already some of these um, smaller failures beginning to accumulate now. They've been murmuring about their provision. Uh, We had this story of the spies where the report came back and somewhat a failure there of the people to really latch on to the vision that Joshua and Caleb came back with. Uh, And now, more recently, this uh, internal family struggle between Moses and Aaron and Miriam, his brother and sister, really questioning God's authority in Moses. Following this chapter we're going to see the rebellion really escalate. So we have trouble both sides of this chapter, and this chapter definitely is insertion, isn't it, Bob? It seems like the Lord was trying to gain the attention of the people here. Yes, Chris, it seems that he was even trying to rescue them from this series of escalating turmoils and failures which they were in. They needed to be rescued. And so God came in to remind them of something that he had already shown them in the past, which if they had practiced what God had shown them, they would have been rescued from their downward spiral in their failures. Well, let's look at a couple of verses in this chapter, chapter 15, right at the beginning. It says, Then Jehovah spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that you are to inhabit, which I am giving you, and you make an offering by fire to Jehovah, a burnt offering, or a sacrifice to make a special vow, or as a free will offering, or at your appointed feasts to make a satisfying fragrance to Jehovah from the herd or from the flock. Of course, this portion is a view back to a lot of detail that the Lord had given them, a lot of instruction regarding the offerings, which we saw previously are all types of Christ. Then later in the chapter near the end, we have another matter inserted here. It says, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to the whole assembly. And they put him in custody because it had not been declared what should be done to him. And Jehovah said to Moses, the man shall surely be put to death. The whole assembly shall stone him with stones outside the camp. Two things for sure, Bob, in this chapter. First, the ongoing continual need of the people not to neglect the offerings. And second, just how serious the matter of keeping the Sabbath is to God. We're going to see these things unfolded into an application that applies to us. Let's join Witness Lee. According to how the children of Israel behaved, it became quite clear that they were a group of people not so much caring for God's interest. So they were there mostly according to what they did were for themselves. And this kind of a situation could only bring in God's judgment and God's punishment. So I believe it may be due to this 
that chapter 15 was inserted to remind them according to what they were, according to what they behaved, they were all together in a kind of a situation not so well pleasing to God. The insertion is concerning two things, the offering to God and the Shabbat they should keep all the time. You know, to offer something to God, this in a case, we realize that we cannot do anything to please God. We are just unable. Why we offer Christ to God? Because we are unable to do anything to please God, to make God happy, to cause God to, well, accept us. We cannot do this. As long as you offer a Christ to God, you admit this. This is one thing. And to keep the Sabbath means what? To keep the Sabbath, we acknowledge, recognize, and take that God did everything for us. We don't need to do anything. God did everything for us. We are unable, we have no capacity, there's no possibility for us to do anything for ourselves. But God did everything. So what should we do? Well, we just admit what God did for us. We just acknowledge what God did for us, right? We just accept. We just take what God did for us and rest in it. And this is to keep Sabbath. Bob, I really appreciated uh, his interpretation here uh, of the offerings in the Sabbath in their types, their application to us as New Testament believers in this context. Let's spend a couple of minutes on both of these, the offerings and the Sabbath. Bradley's interpretation here is truly marvelous. To offer Christ to God really means that we acknowledge that we are nothing and that we can do nothing to please God. The offerings in the Old Testament were offered as presents or gifts to God. The purpose was to satisfy and to please God so that the offerer would be accepted. Well, in ourselves, there's no way that we can be acceptable to God. So we must come to God with an offering. And that offering, of course, in the Old Testament, typifies Christ. Christ is the unique offering who satisfies God's requirements, solves our problems, Mm -hmm. and is so well-pleasing to God. If we bring such an offering to God, this means that we admit we are nothing, we can do nothing, the only one who pleases God is Christ. And if we would like to be accepted by God, we must be one with and identified with and even in Mm -hmm. Christ, whom we offer to God. Then the second thing is the Sabbath. Well, the first time the Sabbath was observed was in Genesis chapter 2, the very beginning, after God created everything. He prepared everything. Then he created man on the sixth day, and the seventh day man enjoyed a Sabbath rest. That means man did not begin his life by working. He began his life by resting and enjoying everything that God had prepared for him. This is a tremendous picture showing us that God has done everything and there's nothing that we need to do. 
and there's nothing we can do to add to what God has prepared. All we need to do is to stop our own working, our own striving and struggling, and enjoy that which God has prepared for us in his New Testament salvation. So if we add anything to what God has done, of course, we make a big mistake. Bob, I'm going to venture uh, a guess that a lot of our listeners, when uh, we were reading those verses earlier on, if they were paying much attention, were probably, even though they've no doubt read this before, shocked at how strongly the Lord rebuked or uh, effected his judgment on them for disregarding the Sabbath. This man who was out picking up sticks and here the judgment was he was to be stoned. That seems like an extreme punishment, and there must be a significance there for us, and that's exactly what we'll see in this next portion. Let's go back to Witness Lee. If you don't keep Sabbath, that means you break Sabbath. And to break Sabbath means what? Means vice versa. You reject, you deny what God has done for you, and you like to try to endeavor, to strive, to do everything by yourself. This becomes a blasphemy. If you try to do something to please God by yourself, your trying is a blasphemy to God. Because by doing this, deny what God has done for you. Okay, keep in mind that all the time we should have a good impression, I am nothing. And I am unable to do anything. No capacity, no possibility. What I can do and what I should do is to offer my replacement to God. That's Christ. Christ is my trust. Christ is my replacement. I just offer him to God. And then the second thing, always keep in mind, your striving means nothing. But it can blaspheme to God. God has done everything for you. You just accept him. You know, today the whole world is blaspheming God. The whole world, the world people are endeavoring in everything, in everything. They deny God. They deny what God has done. They deny what God has prepared for them. This is defying. This is blaspheming to God. This is a denial of God. It is not just to do something wrong or right. This is a denial for the children of Israel to keep Sabbath is a big sign that they recognize God. If they break the Sabbath, that is a strong sign that they deny the very God who did everything for them. Bob, what a realization that if we don't acknowledge all that God has done, receive it, accept it and cease from our own striving. Not only are we needlessly and pointlessly wasting our time and energy, but we're denying God himself, constituting even a blaspheme to him. This is remarkable. It is remarkable to realize that what God wants from us is simply that we would acknowledge him as the one who has done everything for us. Uh, He is the one who accomplished redemption for us in Christ. And now he is the life-giving spirit dwelling in us to do everything to transform us into the image of Christ. Now, there's nothing for us to do and nothing we can 
add to what God has done. We can only acknowledge him, worship him, praise him, and enjoy what he has done for us. This honors God, but if we try to do something for ourselves by using our natural energy, this is a putting God aside, a rejection of what God has done for us, and actually a rejection of God himself. This makes us just like the worldly people today who don't believe in Christ. They blaspheme God because they reject God and everything that he's done for them. Well, it's possible, Chris, for us to be like this if we do not understand the significance of the Sabbath and what God really wants from us. He doesn't want us to do anything in ourselves, out of ourselves, or for ourselves. He simply wants us to receive and enjoy what he is and what he has done for us. Bob, I think it's uh, probably worthwhile to point out that the kind of Sabbath keeping we're talking about here is not the literal Old Testament keeping of the Sabbath. It is this genuine inward entering into a kind of a rest in Christ where we acknowledge and receive him as all that could satisfy God and take care of our need as well. Exactly, Chris. We're not advocating here the literal keeping of the seventh day as was done in the Old Testament. But we need to understand what the significance of the Sabbath is as it relates to us, the New Testament believers. And we need to enter into the rest that comes to us whenever we enjoy Christ and we enjoy what God has prepared. Hmm. I'm enjoying this word a lot. I'm anxious to get back and hear how he concludes our message today. Why don't we go back, Bob? We all love the New Testament, but I must tell you, in the New Testament, we don't know much about the way to enjoy Christ. In New Testament, we are charged to enjoy Christ, we are charged to seek after Christ, right, to pursue Christ. But in the New Testament, it doesn't show us the way. The map of Christian life is in the Old Testament. Here is the map. Here you can have the detailed way. How to offer Christ as burnt offering how to offer Christ as a peace offering, to match this, also offer Christ as a meal offering. And also, with another aspect of matching, that is, you have to offer Christ a drink offering. Get into all these things. Don't think these are not for you, but for the Israel. No. In typology, they are for us. They are for us. This is also the new husband. The Old Testament, when we apply it in typology, becomes the New Testament. Here, we have a map that we know how to drive, how to take the way, how to enjoy Christ in details. Bob, another uh, profound point from Winnesley. The New Testament does charge us to enjoy Christ, to seek after him, to pursue him, really to experience him. But it doesn't show us how to experience him. The details, the map, as he pointed out, is really found in the Old Testament. I appreciated his word. He said, when we apply the Old Testament in typology, it becomes the New Testament. Bob, what are some of the items on this map that show us how to enjoy this Christ? Well, as you say, Chris, and as Witness Lee said, when we apply the types in the Old Testament to ourselves and our Christian life, then the Old Testament actually becomes the New Testament. 
So in one sense, the entire Bible is one book that has one revelation for us. In the Old Testament, we have the pictures, the types, the shadows. Mm -hmm. But in the New Testament, we have all the realities. But the Old Testament is extremely helpful to us because once we understand and can apply the types and the shadows of the pictures of the Old Testament, then we can bring them into our experience as New Testament believers. Uh, In this section, we can see that to apply the Old Testament picture to ourselves, we need to learn that we are nothing, Mm -hmm. that we can do nothing to be acceptable to God. All we can do is offer to God our replacement, who is Christ himself. We need to identify ourselves with Christ and be one with Christ, and we need to reject whatever we are in ourselves. This is pleasing to God, and this will cause God to accept us and be happy with us. But then, again, this matter of the Sabbath, tremendous picture here that God doesn't want us to do anything. You know, in ignorance, because most of us don't understand this. Mm-hmm. For many, many years I was a Christian. I had no idea that God wanted me not to do anything but to rest in what he is and what he has done and simply enjoy this all-inclusive Christ whom now lives in me <laughs> to be everything to me. I had no idea. So I was there struggling and striving to be a good Christian, not realizing that I was rejecting God and all that he had done for me. What a revelation when I realized Mm -hmm. that God did not want me to do anything but just to enjoy his Christ. And I really pray and I hope that all of our listeners could have the same realization and apply this to their Christian life so that they too may enter into this kind of rest and enjoyment with God, enjoying Christ together with him. I think we all as believers, Bob, know what it is to strive in ourselves to please and satisfy God. We know that feeling too well. Do we know what it is to experience Christ and receive and accept and enjoy all that he is to us? This is the question I think we uh, shall leave our listeners with as we conclude our program today. One thing that strikes me is uh, we do wrap up, Bob. Many of our listeners, I would imagine, are somewhat their, their appetite is rekindled again to go back and review some of these types that we've already examined in previous life studies. We've now finished or we're now involved in the fourth of the first five books of the Old Testament where most of these things are uh, really detailed. Our life study in Leviticus was tremendous, opening up the offerings and how those all typified Christ. We had a good portion in Exodus on the Sabbath. So these previous life studies that are in bound volumes would be tremendous resource for our listeners, wouldn't they? They absolutely would, Chris. Uh, we'll leave you with our toll-free number then and that little encouragement to find out about these volumes. The toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. And since we're on that topic of previous messages and previous programs completed, all of our past radio programs are available on our website. And uh, if you have a Internet-accessible computer, then you can download those and listen to them at your uh, convenience. So that web address, again, is www.lsm.org. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks so much for listening today.
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America, and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.